The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. In virtual worship, our sanctuary empty, we gather together this Sunday in August 2020. In the spirit of one who sang, unite the pair so long disjoined, knowledge and vital piety, learning and holiness combined, truth and love for all to see. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered in the praise of God for our virtual congregation through WBUR 90.9 FM and our listenership now and later at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership, ministry, and service in our midst. And as the Spirit moves, and when and as it is again permitted and safe to do so, your presence with us here in worship. Today's service of worship includes the sermon, New This Week, along with music and liturgy rebroadcast from earlier services. Although our nave is empty, the music is full. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it.
Grant, O merciful God, that your church, being gathered together in unity by your Holy Spirit, may show forth your power among all peoples to the glory of your name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Now we enter into a time of reflection on both the things we have done and the things we have left undone that might burden us throughout our days. As the choir sings the Kyrie, let us pray. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the book of Exodus, chapter 1, verse 8, through chapter 2, verse 10. Now a new king arose over Egypt, who did not know Joseph. He said to his people, Look, The Israelite people are more numerous and more powerful than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, or they will increase, and in the event of war, join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore they set taskmasters over them to oppress them with forced labor. They built supply cities, Python and Ramesses, for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. The Egyptians became ruthless in imposing tasks on the Israelites and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in every kind of field labor. They were ruthless in all the tasks they imposed on them. 
The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shiphrah and the other Pua, when you act as midwives to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, she shall live. But the midwives feared God, and they did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but they let the boys live. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this and allowed the boys to live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very strong. And because the midwives had feared God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every boy that is born to the Hebrews you shall throw into the Nile, but you shall let every girl live. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine baby, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and plastered it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds on the bank of the river. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, while her attendants walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid to bring it. When she opened it, she saw the child. He was crying, and she took pity on him. This must be one of the Hebrews' children, she said. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Yes. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child and nurse it for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed it. When the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and she took him as her son. She named him Moses, because, she said, I drew him out of the water. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, beloved, I invite you to join me in reading responsively Psalm 124 with the Antiphon. been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side when our enemies attacked us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away, the torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. And now, beloved, I'd invite you to stand as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew, chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. Glory to you, O Lord. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, 
and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. A healthy institution of any sort, particularly of any religious sort, and certainly of any Christian sort, is a community that is learning together. As Albert Camus said, the healthy society is a circle in which all are seated and each reminds the other, you are not God, I am not God, you are not God, I am not God. You are the recipients, the inheritors of that liberal tradition, the legacy of the liberal church. As such, we are learning together every single day, every Lord's Day, every one day. We are learning together. Moses teaches us. We learn together from these glorious narratives offered us week by week in this year from Genesis. Think of Joseph last week. And today from Exodus. The uncanny, the unexpected, the spirited entrance into life by and through human imagination and courage of grace, of freedom, of love. And Pharaoh's daughter took a little prophet out of the bulrushes, Moses by name. There come times when a new Pharaoh arrives, one who did not know Joseph. There come times when the odds are set up against the real and true and good. There come times when it is hard to name a fully good thing from any day or week. There come times when both nature and history appear to conspire together against grace. And then along comes a recollection of the self-giving courage of a mother setting her basket into the rippling waters of bulrushes along the Nile, loving by letting go, loving by letting go. There are some eyes with tears right around here this week, some parents turning away and giving children to the unforeseen future. No matter the age or stage, it takes courage. It takes the uncanny, the unexpected, the spirited entrance into life by and through human imagination and courage of grace, of freedom, of love. The community of faith knows change, knows itinerancy, knows loss that becomes gain and gain that becomes loss. That is the legacy, your legacy, the legacy of the liberal church. Moses teaches us, Paul teaches us. Here is a sweet memory to share, now more than 20 years old, but it is as clear as a bright August morning, even so. For how happy we were one Saturday in Rochester to hear an excellent sermon on today's epistle, Romans 12, from our former pulpit, given at a Divinity School graduation by the Reverend Mr. Peter Gomes, Harvard chaplain. Do you remember the good book? 
his 1996 essay on the interpretation of scripture, really his hymn of love for the scripture, we were proud to have him in our Rochester pulpit and to hear his message. If memory serves, it included some standard homiletical devices, a foundational text, Romans 12.2, a theme, endings are beginnings, repetition, litanies, epigrams, some old and new humor, making use of natural oppositions that come to the mind of the hearer and then addressing them, a little poetry, T.S. Eliot, little Gidding, a quotation or two, and an exhortation to the congregation to be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Be ye not conformed, but be ye transformed by the renewal of the mind. What most appealed was the design of the message. Following an extended introduction and preceding a simple conclusion, the preacher offered three memorable points. Ha! In the living church, much national debate and new homiletical theory to the contrary notwithstanding, there is, and especially there was on that Saturday, still room for a good three-point sermon, even, the, even one that concluded with a poem. From Aristotle to 1970, this design had endured and reports of its death in the last decades have been, in Twain's term, exaggerated. Three points and a poem still work. Gomes challenged the graduates, the students, and by reflection, the church, and by extension, all Christians, not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewal of the mind. How? First, by noticing the difference between wisdom and knowledge. Second, by practicing meekness, whose opposite is not strength, but pride. Third, by protecting space and time for relaxation, prayer, and reading. Now, it'd be nice to have the note page on which was summarized that message. Somehow, though, between the past and the present, that little paper disappeared. No matter, his design preserved the message for me. Wisdom, meekness, relaxation. Let us try to remember, and in Justice Holmes' good phrase, try to give it the benefit of five great words. I applied it to myself. Care to join me? That is your legacy in the liberal church. Paul teaches us. Matthew teaches us. We are disciples. The word means student. Disciple means student. Sawe discipuli, sawe magistra. Discipleship means studentship. The model of faithfulness recommended, particularly in Matthew, and especially in Matthew 16, is the model of the student. Perhaps if we simply said studentship rather than discipleship, we would do better. Perhaps we should and could see the courageous arrival of the class of 2024 as exhibit A, exemplum, docet. Living right means learning together, in voice, in thought, in conflict, in scripture, learning together. It is, it is this driving preachment that causes Matthew to eviscerate Mark here. Matthew in 85 AD has taken a passage from Mark in 70 AD and turned it upside down. It is not so much the detail, by the way, of the manner in which Matthew and Luke revise Mark chapter by chapter, which is important. What, is, what matters is that they happily re-gospeled the gospel for their own day to a fare thee well. No? No? Oh yes, yes. 
Yes, indeed, yes. Mark in the passage calls Peter Satan. Matthew calls him rock. Mark has no mention of any church of any kind. Matthew uses the word, the Greek word for church, ekklesia, not likely something Jesus would have said, and gives Peter keys to the kingdom. Mark has Jesus tell the disciples, the students, to keep it all a secret. Matthew rejects that secrecy except for the title, Messiah, and says, preach it. Why? Why does Matthew eviscerate, confound, gut, overturn his legacy, this inherited passage from Mark? Answer, he and his community are learning together from voices, from thoughts, from conflicts. And Matthew sternly tells his people, to become fully human, you will need some institutional grounding, support, protection, and sustenance in family, neighborhood, school, church, university, country, globe. And let me be clear about the church, he adds, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Just one more thing, as we are learning together in voice, thought, conflict, and scripture, like Peter Falk used to say in his character as Columbo, the absent-minded professor-like detective turning as he left, uh, just one more thing. Who do you say he is in your life? Notice the passage crashes away from the general and the philosophical. What do others say, general, about the Son of Man, philosophical? Some say, general, the Baptist Elijah Jeremiah, one of the prophets, philosophical. Notice the move to the specific and the personal. Who do you say I am? Meaning for you today, how are you going to live? A life of studentship or not? Said Peter, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And you, remember this, Peter is the one who most needed forgiveness and full pardon he did receive. There is forgiveness in life. There is forgiveness in life. There is forgiveness in life. And the church is the place where people like Peter, like you and me, who need forgiveness, find themselves, ourselves, forgiven. That is your legacy in the liberal church, Matthew teaches us. Moses, Paul, Matthew, they teach us how to live in the liberality of the gospel, wherein we worship God who is loving us into love and freeing us into freedom. The passages become holy scripture in that they make us more whole, more ourselves, more our own healthy, safe, well, best selves, holy because whole. Scripture teaches us, and so does experience, sometimes both together. Our longtime friend and virtual radio congregant, Dr. Chris Cayley in New Haven, Connecticut, often sends along something of interest, a passage from Camus, say, maybe from the plague, or a paragraph from Bart's Church Dogmatics, which he has been reading alongside his COVID-19 era medical practice. He and family are part of our extended family, an example of so many far and near who are with us in spirit, together in spirit, come Sunday. Perhaps you are one such. Grateful we are, thankful we are for Dr. Cayley and others who share with us at Marsh Chapel the freedom and love of the church, who, with, who share with us at Marsh Chapel the fellowship koinonia commonwealth 
partnership of the gospel. What began in the bulrushes of the Nile and then was taught to the Romans by the apostle to the Gentiles and then and now today in the Holy Gospel is acclaimed, this is the good news of the Christ, the son of the living God. Earlier in the summer, Dr. Cayley took a moment apart from his medical teaching and practice to send me the video of John Lewis's funeral or rather one of the eulogies therein. We otherwise might have missed it, given the backwoods lack of technological connection, a summer blessing in the main, with which we live or don't live in the woods of upstate New York come summer. We trail technologically there behind the little house on the prairie for some much of the summer. So we would have missed it. He sent it. What a gift. What made President Obama's eulogy for Congressman Lewis so powerful? It was a grand high moment, a soaring eagle moment in American rhetoric. What, was it the reminder of what gracious eloquence can mean in leadership and life? Yes, but not only that. Was it the painful but real measure of civil society of what ground we have lost, much ground, much real and rhetorical and religious ground we have lost in these past few years? Yes, but not only that. Was it the sense of the cost of progress, the willingness to work toward a more perfect union, recognizing with sober honesty the myriad imperfections that beset, beset us? Yes, but not only that. Was it the generous sense of common hope, that which can sustain the least and the last and the lost, as well as the, re as the rest of us? Yes, but not only that. Was it the personal honor in cadence and story and honesty and heart? Yes, but not only that. Was it the humanity? Recalling Bill Clinton lifting his hand and pointing to the casket of Coretta Scott King in 2006 and stepping off his prepared text to shout, for all these kind fancy words, don't you forget, there's a woman in that box. Yes, but not only that. What was it at depth that made Barack Obama's eulogy for John Lewis such a tremendous gift to me from Dr. Cayley? Let's cogitate a bare minute on that while the sermon meanders and unwinds toward its conclusion this summer morning. What was it that made President Obama's eulogy for Lewis so trenchant and true? Scripture. Holy Scripture, the church's book, the book and and of the church. In the main, along with other ingredients mentioned, the power in his personal ability rightly to choose and use timely verses of Scripture, the Holy Scripture taught and learned in the learning community of the liberal church. The setting, Ebenezer Baptist spoke the same truth in the languages of architecture, history, pulpit, choir, and people. Yes, the church is both a representation and a distortion of the divine. But if for some reason the church were to disappear overnight in a cultural tsunami, it would come back. Even the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Somehow we would find a table and somehow a chair or two and somehow some bread and wine and somehow a Bible in an hour or so, and we would start again, as in a way we do every Sunday, 
which is especially and vividly apparent to us now in this pandemic. We start over. We would start with Holy Scripture. It is this Holy Scripture in the Holy Church that rose up like a lion in the Obama eulogy for Lewis, the right verse in the right time in the right way. So, James, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. That is the courage of the book of James. Corinthians, second Corinthians, let us be clear. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. And acts, do not be afraid, go on speaking, do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. It was the right handling of the word of truth that hour that brought power and love, freedom and grace to life, and it still does. He concluded in eulogy, summarizing his three points, James, Corinthians, and Acts, saying, And that's where real courage comes from, not from turning on each other, but turning toward each other, not by sowing hatred and division, but by spreading love and truth, not avoiding our responsibilities to create a better America and a better world, but by embracing those responsibilities with joy and perseverance and discovering that in our beloved community, we do not walk alone. Amen.
You may be seated. In Paul's letter to the Philippians, he advised, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So let us heed his advice and pray. You are welcome to stand, remain seated, or come forward to kneel at the altar rail. Now let us sing together hymn 473, Lead Me, Lord. Almighty God, there is no God like you in heaven above or in this earth. You are God of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Praise be to you, Lord God, for you have not failed us. We give you praise and thanksgiving for your abounding love and faithfulness. We thank you for giving us the strength of your power to deliver us from evil. And we pray for your presence, not just in this place at this time. We pray for your presence in our lives every day so that we can stand firm in the face of evil. Abide with us so that the words of our mouth are acceptable to you. Help us to speak truth to power. Help us to propagate truth, not alternative facts. Help us to live the truth. Abide with us and renew a right spirit within us in the midst of overwhelming indifference, hate-filled speech, cruelty, and violence. Search our hearts and minds, God, and make us self-aware of our own sinful nature. Grant us forgiveness and help us to forgive others. Give us eyes to see and the discernment to recognize the evil around us. Restore our souls so that we have the courage and will to take action against it. Help us to do the right thing. Abide with us and give us the willingness and readiness to spread your gospel of peace in all that we do. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Equip us with the boldness and courage to speak up for you. Help us to walk your path and spread your word. Abide with us so that we develop the kind of trust and obedience that Abraham had complete and sure, so that when you call, we respond with, here I am. Help us to grow and act in accordance with our faith. Abide with us and give us the spiritual nourishment that only you can provide. Grant us guidance and discernment as we study your word. Help us to understand and accept Jesus as the bread of life, our salvation. Abide with us and direct our paths. 
Open our ears to hear the spirit of truth. God, we know that with you nothing is impossible, and so we ask that you create in us pure hearts. Help us to live our lives in the most excellent way, with love. Merciful and gracious God, we ask for your comfort. We pray for the brokenhearted and the crushed in spirit. Comfort them, Lord, and give them the strength to persevere. We pray for the peoples whose lives are affected by violence and oppression. Comfort them, Lord, and give them the strength to endure and forgive. We pray for the sick, the dying, and those who are mourning the loss of loved ones. Comfort them, Lord, and give them the strength of your presence. We pray for all whose rest is one, from family and friends to the maverick who stood firm and practiced civility to those across the aisle. Let your perpetual light shine upon them all. As we pray these things, we pray that we will recognize and cheerfully accept our role in fulfilling these requests. Help us to comfort others with comfort we ourselves have received from you. Lord, our God, hear the cry and prayers that we, your servants, are praying in your presence today. We bring forth our anxieties and worries in total trust in you, for we know that your peace transcends all understanding. We pray these things in the name of the Holy One of God, Jesus Christ. Amen. And now we pray the prayer that he taught us together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to God in heaven.
May the love of the Creator, the grace of the Redeemer, and the hope of the Holy Spirit be with you always.